everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Welcome along to LOI Central. Uh, it's season seven, episode 15 uh, today of, uh, as I said, seventh season. And uh, as ever, it's Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald. Before I get to uh, today's show, we are in association with Future Ticketing, Collar and Cuff, and uh, we're in association with Rascals Brewery and Inchcore. Uh, Decky from Collar and Cuff can expect a few um, acolytes ahead of uh, Enda's wedding in the near future, and apparently they're... Uh, just, just to be clear, Johnny, Enda is a friend of ours, our listeners do not know who that is. He was at the live show. Uh, yeah, I'd say Decky is <laughs> like, Decky's anticipating people coming in and just mentioning LOI Central to get the free shirt and tie. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm very fond of Ender, but just to be clear, you know, not everyone Are knows, you very fond of Ender? Uh, yeah. not, not everyone knows, like, what's going on in your life. and just It, it, it doesn't matter. See, you've made a big deal of now. I just said it end, it's Ender's wedding, Absolutely. so it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> a lot of people out there going, should I be coming to Ender's wedding? We're just like, we're bitching at the start of every show now. <laughs> that's what a that, little bit alarming. That's, that's what it's all about. It's like, you um, know, seven-year itch, Johnny. Seven-year itch. Was, I told you that was always a danger. Ser- be- seven series, seven-year itch. Yeah, I was speaking to somebody recently, um, I'm not going to reveal who it was, or even his or her sex, but he or she is in a troubled kind of marriage situation. And I oh, think Jesus, definitely don't reveal the name. Yeah, I think we're getting there. Yeah, I think you and I, we're, we're kind of just here for the kids now, our supporters. But <laughs> We're just here for the people listening who I really, I mean, really I, need this fixed in their it? life. <laughs> Are they likely to be listening to the show, this person in the troubled marriage? Um... No comments. Yeah, just oh. leaving it suitably vague there. Bloody hell! Right. Yeah, and of course we have a rascals brewery guy to turn to give a give out again today. Uh, some it's trivia question. Into, Last week's into. trivia question uh, got people thinking. You know, it was the the question was, can you name someone? Can you name the player who scored back to back in cup finals for? Uh, it was for St. Pat's against Shells in 1996 and then four Shells the following year. I was watching back the old YouTube footage of these goals. Dave Campbell's the answer. The answer did make yeah. me smile because of all the people before, the, you know, you got social media views. Poor old Davy Campbell got it on the sidelines so much. He was always like being called out by an opposition fan, probably from both sets of fans. Well, that was a very, con- his, his move from Pat's mm. was a very controversial one, a very contentious one. I mean... I suppose if you think of the late 90s and early 2000s, a lot of players made moves to shells that were contentious, you know, from the Bowes players, um, you know, to to uh, just other deals at various times, like sort of wound people up. And, and Dave Campbell was probably, a, you know, sort of a very popular figure at St. Pat's. And I suppose, I mean, listen, this happens now. I mean, we've seen managers leave after cup finals. We, we, see, we see sort of... Um, players moving between clubs um, and it continues to happen but I kind of wonder are we going to have as many contentious deals like that going forward like with longer contracts you know like Bowes have obviously been vulnerable to the the players going to Rovers um, they're probably trying to avoid that from happening in future with the setup that's there at the moment I did get quite a few, uh, well, I definitely got a couple of people messaging me um, with glee from a Bohemian's persuasion when they saw like Liam Burt was playing for Shamrock Rovers against Go United 19s recently and um, that the move hasn't quite worked out as yet for Liam Burt anyway. But maybe those moves are, as you mentioned, with the good contracts and the fact that I think players are pretty happy in the league now. And if they get these good long term deals, they're probably they're going to leave England or stay, I think. How do you mean? Sorry. Like, so I think the those moves between 
like League of Ireland clubs, controversial moves are probably not going to be that plentiful, shall we say? Like no, no. So I mean, the Bird thing was still. Well, like, Bird uh, isn't. Like, Bird isn't the isn't in the Rovers nineteens because he's just like he can't get in the squad. Like he's coming as he's coming back from injury. Mm. He, can, he can't play overage players in the nineteens yeah. league. So I'm not sure about any sense of, of glee with that. They're just um, glad that it's not working out for him so far. Well, yeah, I just I, I, I declare it hasn't worked out at the end of the season. Yeah. I think uh, I think it's in Europe where he'll come to the fore. He's exactly the type of player they didn't have in Rover. The Rovers didn't have in Europe last year, so uh, I would wait before um, I would wait before declaring that one. Um, but yeah, no, we did have that. Dave Campbell was the answer. Declan Lynch, I just may as well just do it now. Declan Lynch was the winner of the quiz. Uh, the guided the guided tour of Rascals Brewery. Declan is uh, is coming your way, and I should say this week's question. We may as well just do it now while we're, while we're in the flow. Um, and it's probably because it's on a theme of what we were talking about. Uh, so we got bows and shells on Friday this week. Um, is it the big game of the week? I mean, it's on TV, but I mean, because there's a lot of big games. I mean, Derry City are now top of the table. Um, and this is a big development that happened last year. And we will hear from a bit of Kevin Doherty. Um, can people name the players who won a league title under both Bowes and Shelburne uh, with Pat Fenland as the manager? So the players who've won a league... Under Pat Fenlon for both Bowes and Shells. I'm not going to say how many players there are because that much might make it a bit easier for people to figure out who they are straight away. So you have to think about it. So if you if you won any of the league titles under Pat Fenlon for Shells, which I think is 03, 04 and 06, and then Bowes won the league in, God, was it, a, was it 08 and 09, I think. Um, yeah, can you name the players who who won medals for both clubs ha- under Pat? I have to say, and this kind of feels like one of those marriage chats where it's like just just to try to make things better. I'm going to say something nice. Like um, questions have been very good recently. Like it's made me think. Like I don't know the answer. It's not easily googled, um, and it makes people go back in time as well to you know uh, ex League of Ireland days. So anything nice to say about so, me? Um, sometimes you just got to spice things up. Well. <laughs> On but today's uh, show, uh, <laughs> Pat Fenlon is off to... I have a lot of things to say, say, nah, say about you, Johnny. I'll, I'll do them at a later date. Um, uh, but a lot of people yeah, but listen... We'll be broken up by listen, I'll be honest, most people, as we know, most people listen to the pod to listen to you. Now, I'm not sure if they listen to agree with you, but that's by the by. That's, I, don't, I don't agree with either of those comments, actually. But anyway, the um, Pat Fenlon's off to see Ireland in Hungary, he was telling me this morning. So best luck to the 17s as well. Um, the... The, on today's show, anyway, so we, we've a little bit of audio. Yeah, from, that game will be over by the time people listen to this, mm, so let's hope it went well. We've a little bit of audio from Kev Doherty and from um, Decky Devine, and uh, we're going to hear a fairly mad story from one of uh, the injured players in the League of Ireland at the moment, Gary Buckley, later on. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, I would argue, though, that the big game this weekend is Pats and Dundalk, for obvious reasons, because John Daly now has gotten the job permanently at Pats. Um, and also, obviously, it's Steve O'Donnell and Dundalk. Um, you were in Oriel, Dan, last weekend. I, this was a kind of a... I don't know, it's a bit of a mad game looking at the highlights. Really bad goals from the perspective of the conceding team for everyone mm. bar the O'Malley one, which was essentially... Mally, know, Mally. Ma- sorry, the Mally yeah, shot. That kind of, don't worry, like that Connor, shot, con- like. that Connor O'Malley, Connor Mally thing is just catching yeah, people. It's like, it's, it, it's like, you know, it's just it's just the natural mistake people make. He, he came into my Jeff head Jeff Hendrick, Jeff Hendricks. Yeah, when you, um, Sean Connor, Sean Connors, when you did the story on... Sean Connors? Yeah, like... 
Sean Connor. Sean Connor is like, you know, the, Sean the former League of Ireland. Yeah, uh, I know manager. who Sean Connor is. Sean Connors. Who's Sean Connors? Um, do you remember there was a Connors character in a TV uh, show? I, I'm not probably not going to get into this. <laughs> but do you remember the... the yeah, but you're less likely to be discussing him in a League of Ireland context. <laughs> I know, but it, it kind of makes sense. But, um, I well, thought Sean O'Connor <laughs> might have made more sense. <laughs> I thought that's where you were going with it. I was thinking it was referenced on the show how uh, I felt so sorry for myself having to wait for you to do that uh, story on Sean McGrover's goalkeeping situation. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. And I was thinking of Connor O'Malley. Like, can we bring Connor O'Malley back from... Um, the Ashes because he was such a promising goalkeeper back, back from the, the actuary as opposed back to the, the Ashes actu- Conor O'Malley's probably only he's not uh, old at I all I think he's born in 1994 I think yeah so he's still in his I 20s think, I think he's in that territory um, could be wrong with that but I, I, a bit younger maybe the game must have been a bit mad because to be asked you know the Docker on a great run 2-0 up on a great run apart from the Brandywell but they're on a good run 2-0 up and then I don't know just kind of fell apart cruising but. along I mean like yeah I mean the first half bows were dreadful Declan Devine admitted as much um Dundalk well in control and I didn't Dundalk probably played their best football at 2-0 up could have been 3-0 before half time they had a penalty shout and they had another good chance but it was one of those where again you think okay well if Bowes come out and score in the first 15 minutes after half time we're game on but they didn't you know it's 75 minutes gone it's still 2-0 and yeah Bowes were applying more pressure but they weren't beating the door down they were more in the game they made tactical changes they put Buckley into the middle they were more competitive but they were 2-0 down so you know, the, the team that's in front is making a couple of changes, just probably, you know, see the game out. Um, they've always brought Afalabi on. Someone was telling me um, it was in the away section, um, or they'd heard it from the away section, that I think, like, there was a couple of shouts from the the, the away section in the direction of Declan Devine saying, where's Afalabi? And I think Declan Devine might have turned around to them and said Afalabi was injured. Um, because I, I was a little bit perplexed by Afalabi's lack of involvement, because I do think when you go to play, I mean, no people complain about going on with the artificial pitches, but it's a massive factor... Like, if you have a big, direct presence, you know, that you can ping the ball over the top in their direction, they're sort of, sort of strong running, that's a difficult pitch. It's just, it's they're a good threat to have. You can't, you can't pass the ball through these pitches. You can't, like, the draw the goal is an amazing goal, right? That goal, you can't score that in most of the pitches in the Premier Division. That's just the reality. Have the, we even mentioned draw the No, we'll, 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 no we'll, we'll, we'll get mm. to that. Um, like, the draw the team goal is an ex- extraordinary move. But I'm at the point on social media, like, there's several grounds in the country, you just could not execute that move. And Oriel is just one of those things. Like, you're not going to come to Oriel and pass anyone off the park, no matter how good you are. And you do see some teams occasionally go a little bit more direct than they would usually because, you know, just on the Astro pitch, it, it, it it's it's a better tactic. Now, Afalabi, come on. It wasn't always like that. Though. Like, one of my favourite League of Ireland team goals was in Oriel. Um, I think Robbie Benson finished it. might have been against Bray. Brilliant, brilliant team move, but... I didn't. I mean, if you look at the highlights of the game Friday, the pitch, it just, the ball's all over the place. No, like, I mean, it can, it can, teams can still score good goals, but you can't necessarily fizz it like you yeah. can in Tala. Like, there's no coincidence the teams have scored a lot, a lot of teams scored their best goal of the season in Tala. So it's just the pace in which you can do things. Like, yeah, it will happen, but it's a little bit more chance involved. Like, when Tala, there's no luck involved with it. Oriel, you'll have good team goals, but there's still, you need a couple of things to go your way. Um, but anyway, um, Afalabi come on and made a big impact. And again, just nothing, nothing spectacular about it. But just got the dog turned a bit, wins a corner, and then the dog defend the corner terribly. Uh, set piece later on, they defend the set piece terribly. The second goal is horrendous defending. And just you know, Stephen Donald afterwards, naturally not in good form at all. Um, just speaking about like commanding the area, and they are missing the spine of their team, like sort of experienced spine of their team with Boyle and Sloggett and and. They are like relying on a lot of academy, ex-academy players, most of them in their first season. 
but their you know their game management was was really poor in this situation. But it, but even like you can like you you give away that lead and you analyze everything, but really it is just like a simple dead ball into the area that again bounces all the way through. Um, and it was it was it was horrific stuff. But I did ask Declan Devine with just a little small bit of Declan Devine here. Um, I just asked him a bit about the impact of Jonathan Afalabi, and he, he compared him favorably uh, to Pat Hoban, who who ran the show in the first half. And he's sort of mid flow here talking about Hoban's influence. But I thought I saw Pat Hoban ran the show uh. in the first half, and we gave it far too much respect. Um, they overloaded us in midfield by playing a box at times, and we had to just adapt by getting our wide player on they deal with their opposite pulling them a field player and just go man for man but we switched off and I think the pain of conceding the goal again early on has affected us and we have to learn from that It's interesting to see Afflabi was carrying something because even in 15 minutes they didn't they didn't enjoy playing against him at all like he won the corner like he just has he's a has that whole he's a handful listening I, like, I listen to people saying listen that about John Chuck there's no other player and probably part of a one's the most similar player in his, in his prime to John Afalabi, a player that can take it on and link play, hold it in his chest, hold centre-halves off and also give a threat to running on behind. There's not too many centre-forward, maybe Rory Gaffney or maybe, you know, there's not too many John Afalabi's about and, you know, he certainly has been a figurehead for us at the start of the year. I want him to get more goals, I want him to get better but he certainly, he's, he's a player that is, is he, he, if I'm a centre-half and I see him coming on, I, I, I'm looking over my shoulder to see where he is. Yeah, that was Declan Devine. Um, Bowles, obviously, after a very good start, they're now dropped down to third with the game in hand. Um, and I think it's fair to say, Dan, we've two teams kind of, in my view, vying for um, the title. And then you have... Yeah. How many teams are battling, in your view, then, for third and fourth? Like, if... Oh, I think, I mean, we'll, we have a couple of comments about Sligo Rovers in the mailbag, and we'll try and deal with that there. I mean, at the moment, I would have had them in that discussion, and I still feel like they're as good on their good day as a lot of the teams around. There's sort of stats about the impact on Max Matter doesn't play or doesn't mm. score. Um, I, I think, I think you know, you, so we have... You're right about Patston Dock maybe on Friday being... A, and again, we have this interesting game where last Friday you had these two games between Bows and Dundalk and between Shells and Pats and this week we have Bows and Shells and Dundalk and Pats and I feel I feel like they are the four teams uh, I mean I would have put Sligo Rovers in the discussion but they're just not you can't really right now so I think it's those four teams for like third fourth fifth and sixth now Pats probably have God, you gotta put Sligo still in that discussion. Well, I think. you probably can, but like, just their their record at the moment doesn't inspire belief. Like, they they're they're going to need to put together like a five and five wins mm. in six games. I mean, the Doc would have done that if they'd held out last week. Bows obviously started the season with something like that. Pats have had a couple of little runs. Like like Sligo would need to string a run together, you know. And it's just I'm just saying like like the, their defensive seven games. their defensive record doesn't inspire mm. you in their ability to do that but no, I, I think ability wise they deserve to be in that discussion but at the moment not that long ago Stephen Bradley was saying they're the best yeah, team they played yeah, this season no no ability wise they should be in the discussion but just just hard to fully put them in it right now I think there's not a huge amount I think Pats probably have a fair have a high ceiling haven't quite hit that ceiling yet they've gone for John Daly as manager Did I'm that a li- surprise you? I'm a little bit surprised given the tone of of how he spoke in um in Tala after the Rovers game, like what's going on here? You think that's a bit ballsy and didn't necessarily get a lot of love from Pats fans. We said that in the mailbag last week. Now going to Shells was a big win. I saw Brian Kerr was very happy with the performance on TV afterwards. 
Um, I wouldn't rule out the significance of things like that. You know, Brian really? Kerr's, Brian Kerr's like, well, he was in Pakistan with Gareth Gallagher. It was sorry with Pats last year. He's still very much involved with the club. So I think like I, I think John Daly probably, you know, like Jesus, wanna, Dan, how can you make it? How how does it, how are you even like so John Daly's being charged what sorry, three, I, or four, uh, three or four games? But if Brian Kerr, right? No, hang on. Let, let, you, you don't Brian, you, don't on. take what I'm saying too. If, if Brian Kerr is is praising a performance in an individual game that happens to be on TV and that's vaguely relevant. I know, no, but Brian Kerr's at every game and talk. I'm just saying that, like, people around the club, I heard Johnny McDonald on the RT podcast again, impressed. Like, I think all of these people, he was also in Pakistan, all these people have a factor. There's a lot of people around Pats. You know, you have the owner, chairman, like, very involved, but then there's a lot of senior figures around the place. You know, Matthews, Brian Kerr, other people. And clearly, they seem happy enough with what they've seen with Daly over the last one. I think that's influential when there's no outstanding candidate emerged from elsewhere, from what I can see, from what I can hear. Um, it wasn't like we've mentioned this about the two jobs at the moment that there isn't quite the the obvious out of work candidate who's there. So if you have someone that's there already, you know who knows the, you know who knows the lie of the land. Uh, do you want to come in and upset the whole thing and change the staff? You know, come with Europe is what six weeks away or whatever it is. Um, I think it's probably I think it's the percentage call to go this way if there was. An outstanding out of work manager. Let's say Keith Long hadn't got the Waterford job and he was still out of work at the moment. Might that have changed things? Possibly, possibly could have. Um, I what, what I do say for Daly is, I, like, I don't think he's probably going to have the new manager honeymoon thing that a new manager would generally have. Like, I think if if they get bad results in their next, you know, six seven games. I find that I, I feel that he'll come under pressure quicker. I, I, I don't get the impression you know? that he's looking for any honeymoons either. He seems to be fairly straight talking. No, I'm not suggesting there. that he is. I'm and just saying that he's it's it's the type of appointment that you could easily see, you know, at the at the end of the year, a review going on, going, Okay, are we happy enough? It's not generally like if if they went and got a, a young manager from somewhere else, right, from another club and, and hired them, they'd be coming in Give and probably giving them a two and a half year deal mm. and, and and there's very much a sense of okay. You know, they, this isn't his squad, you know, and you, and you give them a little bit of time. I just feel it's a slightly different one with Daly. And T- that's, that's. I mean, I'm sure he's met his pitch on the job on that basis. Well, I, I'm, I've been here, I know the squad, I know what we need to improve. But as a result, you get a little bit less patience I, as a consequence. I, I did speak to Tim Clancy a bit after um, after he departed. And like he was saying about, I mentioned this, how uh, he's been involved in football for so long. It's strange to actually have any time off. But he, he was really extolling the qualities of daily as a coach like and he said like that's not just me like you know he's a really really good coach and I did feel speaking to Intella you were at the game Intella as well I think you, you'll you'll relate to what I'm saying here Dan the Pats fans across the ground Intella they make unbelievable noise and you're like this is an away support like this is a pretty big club you've spoken a lot yourself about the crowds that they've been getting since the cup final um two seasons ago and there's a really good vibe around Pats and really good young players coming through in terms of Irish jobs you can see why it's it's an attractive job. No, it is. It's it a is. very attractive As job. As I said, I think their ceiling is high of the mm. teams that are there. I mean, Bows actually have a good squad, but it's you know it's their first season really, and probably a bit of work to do. Dundalk again. I mean, like Stephen did make the point in their defence last week. I think they had seven players who started last Friday weren't at the club last year, or maybe six. Robbie McCord was was barely there. Um, and again, look, they're just having the bit of the dog stuff in the mailbag. They're just having that club is having the hangover from the glory years. I've, I've mentioned this again and again, you know, and just 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 not the expectation levels and the whole vibe is, and it's just a little bit flat for various reasons around the place. And we can talk about that in a second. And then shells are the other one who looked to be building up a bit of a head of steam, and then 
put in a very flat performance but probably like you know people Damien Duff probably hams up the budget stuff a bit like you know on about clubs having budgets three or four times I don't think that's strictly true but it is true that of those clubs they would have the smallest budget and yeah they are the one who they probably need to strengthen in the window because by rights if the other clubs played to their max uh, Shells won't finish ahead of them but I mean the thing is Shells have been more consistent than a lot of those teams but obviously then on Friday they were poor and conceded another set They've piece goal conceded, we, Shells have conceded 11 Pats have conceded 25 Dundalk have conceded 22 um, it's mad, that, and Shells mad and, Sh- and the bad thing about Shells is that like they've conceded bad set piece goals they've mm. actually conceded very few goals in open play um, so there's, there's two sides but we have to talk about Drogheda because like that was they had two wins from their last 21 points two two points from their last 21 going into the game Drogheda yeah and they should have had much better um, yeah. but I mean like a, you know, okay Freddie Draper move over the top to break the deadlock I know Stephen Bradley was annoyed because he said all week they'd spoken about Draper's threat like he'd been involved in most of Drogheda's goals and that one he just got away from Sean Hoare and it, it happens second goal a great team move Dale Rooney we spoke about him in here and Kevin Doherty was in here um, but they they were due one draw them. They were due a win. They definitely a lot of games recently. They did they drew or lost, which they could have drawn or, or won. You know, like they could have they could have they could have added to their points. I said their efficiency in terms of points relative to performance has been pretty low. Um, just chatting to one or two people at the game I was at, they were saying, yeah, not mad, madly surprised with draw because sometimes they they lose the Monday games, the three games mm. in a week. But when it's one game a week, um, you know, it's, time to they've a little bit more time. Uh, and listen, they had to they had to ride the storm about twenty five attempts to three. But um, I watched the I watched what from the I watched more or less in the second draw the goal though. It wasn't an onslaught like it wasn't that they they were under the cosh, but it wasn't chance after chance after chance. It just what like Richie Towell missed a great chance. Rovers didn't score, but I don't think they'll have that many excuses to be honest. Well, I know I think that afterwards. I mean, in fairness to Bradley, it was more a case of you know the the. Uh, they were they they weren't ruthless enough in either area, so uh, no real complaints. You know, he, like happy enough with aspects of their general performance, but he wasn't saying just we were robbed. Like so, I think they conceded four goals as well again in two games at home against um, Pats and Drogheda. Like they've. <laughs> They give teams a chance. They this do. Is the, this is the thing. They do give teams a chance. Which, with a view to Europe, Dan. Like. But that, I mean, and we saw they conceded a lot of goals in Europe last year. But again, like you know, I'm wary of saying that because part of them giving teams a chance is part of the philosophy that makes them good. Like mm. you have to take mm. risks and you have to be brave. Um, but obviously, you can get they can get turned over quickly, and, and like they concede a fair few goals on the counter attack. There's no doubt, and and often they've like they've played like they've obviously recruited players in a back three in some cases who are quick. You know, to have that recovery speed that okay, if they are going to try and gamble a bit, that if they if they get turned quickly, they have the speed to recover. But you know, one or two of those players, I mean, like Hor would be in that profile. He was a perfect player for overs when they went looking for him. Uh, and generally suits them, but you know, bad night for that opening goal the other night. That that's what happens. Like, um, and where in Europe, are they goalkeeper in, in Europe? Yeah, I'm not sure about the Westward thing. It seems like it seems less likely from the vibes, and they have other people on trial. So, um, I don't know what's going to pan out there. But anyway, listen, we're, we we are moving on to Ro- Rovers territory again. We we can't move past uh, Drada. I know we had Kevin Doherty in a couple of weeks ago, but you did. Um, you did get some uh, some WhatsApp audio from Kevin. He started off by asking about the influence of his, his number two, Dara Doyle, and then you, you sort of expand that out into a couple of other talking points. But yeah, here's Kevin Doherty. Yeah, Dara's been absolutely massive for me since now he got the job. Um, I've spoken to you, I've spoken to plenty of people about how important he, he has been. He, he, he gets it, you know. Um, 
I thought it was really, really important that something that, that when I did take the job and after Tim left I found it was important I had someone else that managed it well because they know sort of what the manager will be going through I think that's a really really important thing you see a lot more of it now than you probably would have traditionally but I mean I managed then went and I was an assistant then managing again and they're doing the same you see it in Galway you see it in Waterford you see, you see it in Bowles like it's it's something that I do think it helps and when when uh, the assistants sort of can deal with the situations themselves and know when when to, to tell you stuff or not to tell you stuff. And obviously, they, yeah, you have to trust the person, which is something that we one hundred percent do with with Dara. Um, he's me and Dara played with each other when we were kids, you know. So then I signed him for Shell as as when I was managing Shell, he was my captain, a great captain. Um, but now. Probably even more important that he's an he's a an excellent coach and I mean he's so organised he has talk about sessions and whatever and the plan for the for the week and I know that's uh you know the work and time he puts into it and there being massive as as Philly Hughes, Aaron Shanahan, uh, Connor Tully, even young Luke Roy he's come in as well to help out with the goalkeeping and Physio Alan Dooley. No, this really big team ever, but no, to answer your question, Dara is absolutely massive for me. And as I said, we we talk to each other ten times a day. But look, no, it's no different than any other manager and assistant. But no, he, he's been an excellent for us and brilliant for me as well. How was the win in terms of most enjoyable since you started coaching? Yeah, very enjoyable, obviously. Um it was a really good performance, a really good win. Had some big wins, even this year, obviously up in Derry and stuff, but uh, yeah, look really enjoyable uh, played really really well which is which is good because I've been sick sort of same we've been playing well and, and probably not picking up the points that we we, we should have um, but yeah really enjoyable uh, the players uh, just just, uh, just stuck to the plant they did really really well look Rovers obviously such a good side that you have to um, be really really Everything has to go your way, and I probably did the other night. Um, they started the game very well and got in a few times, but in fairness, our, uh, the lads did really, really well. And, and um, look, as I said, there's no no um, big master plan or anything when we play Shamrock Rovers or when we play anybody else in the league. We, we, we do the same preparation, we do put the same amount of time into any team in the league and we'll be doing it this week, next week, follow week, but no big master plan. As I said, we had, yes, uh, and that's your tour question as well, whether here, but there's going to be no big uh, reason why we've done well against Rowers. We just played well in the game, but as I said, we've been playing playing uh, quite well all season. And, uh, lucky enough, we got the wins. Um, ambitions for the season. Um, yeah, it's the same as they always have been. Look, I know everyone... Probably sick of even hearing me talking about stuff from resources and budgets now, but we very much know where we are in the pecking order, and um, we're doing our best to try and try and uh, keep above that. Like you know, so um, look, we're very very happy with how the how we've been playing. As I said, um, the ambition hasn't changed from the start of the season. I think everyone knows what that ambition is. Um, but look, we we think I know this is the most boring answer you'll ever hear, but Take it game by game, and all we're doing now is focusing on UST on Friday. Yeah, it's a great win for Drogs, and um, I just it's it's amazing how you know a team with 
the resources they have have been so much of a thorn in the side of the good teams, including Rovers consistently and Derry. And I, I think, you know, that, that's been so important for the league, Dan, that there aren't that many formality games. Like, and Drogheda are never a formality. We're like, they're going to Talon winning. That's a f- phenomenal result. No, though it's funny. They played yesterday this week, and yeah. it's actually the type of game where I could, you, you, you can see them struggling like they have previously. And that's sort of part of the, the consistency. But there's no doubt, like, you know, performance relative to budget is very high, and like they have a they have a lower budget than first division teams. Cork, so, um, Cork got a massive win um, against Sligo as well, so I think that brings us nicely into the mailbag. Everyone's crazy about a sharp dressed mailbag, am I right? These electronic letters have style for miles, so let's dig in. You you were watching the the dark Falls highlights. You just you hadn't seen them until just just earlier. Your comment on the goalkeeping. So this is from Greg because this actually generated a massive discussion then on social media. But this was the initial comment. The last two Ireland managers have had James Talbot as their League of Ireland goalkeeper of choice. Keith Long, Declan Devine, and Vinnie Parrott, brackets who tried to sign him for Dundalk, all rate him amongst the best in the league. Any idea why fans of Rovers, Pats, Dundalk, and Shells don't agree with them? So this is in response to James Talbot being in the Ireland squad this week. In addition to in addition uh, to Brian Maher, Brian Maher Neil Ferrugia. Yeah, so you've got three League of Ireland players in the squad. Not hugely surprised by the Ferrugia thing. We've talked mm-hmm. about it here. Um, and uh, yeah, Brian Maher is in. Now, now, obviously, the important point to make here is that this is a squad for Championship League One players, a couple of League of Ireland players. All three of Ireland's goalkeepers are in the Premier League. So Bazunu, Kelleher, Travers, not available. So there's a big debate spinning off about this. Like, why is Talbot in this squad? Now, I think people are are overthinking it a little bit. Um, but in saying that, I'm not saying Talbot is there to make up the numbers either. But I think it is important to put in context. And it's an unfortunate it's an unfortunate thing here for any Irish goalkeeper in their mid-20s now. Um, the reality is that the chances of any of them playing for Ireland ever are quite low. Because the chances of um, Bizzunu, Keller and Travers all been injured at the same time. Now we've had instances where two of them have been out. It's nearly um, 100 to 1. But it's, I mean, just you're not going to be a contender. And what we're talking about here is a training camp for a week. Yeah. Um, James Talbot has been around this camp before. There's no doubt he is not yet at the level he, he, he's been, like his level this season I would say is not his best level. And in fact he got injured on Ireland duty last year. But it's true as Greg points out he's been in with like more than one Irish manager has rated him. That also means more than one Irish goalkeeping coach has rated him, which is an important point. And if you're talking about a training camp, you know, someone who's been around the place before, you know, who's who's obviously made a good impression in training, you know, clearly ticks a lot of boxes for what they're looking for at that time. I don't think it's a case of, well, we have a training camp and we have to pick directly four, five, six in our pecking order here. You know, it's there's there's greater considerations here. I'm not saying it's making up the numbers. It's more a case of, like, if you're talking about squad players who's going to be a good presence around the place for a camp at the end of the season, where for other people it's a bit like, I mean, I imagine I heard he's I, a bubbly person. Well, yeah, there well. was another character from Stoke who was meant to be in a squad. I don't know what happened. Um, I think Talbot might have been down the list, all right. But if you know someone's personality and their character and their good presence and you rate them as a keeper, even if their form hasn't been top notch, well, then it's no actual big deal to have them there. And people are like probably overthinking this too much and saying, well, someone else should be in. But yeah, but that's if you, that's someone that's another new face who comes in to be integrated. You don't know what they're like in training. You don't necessarily know what their character is like around the place. 
And like, unfortunately, this is not for someone who's going to be playing. So it's just been analysed far too much. Now, I think Talbot, like, you know, Stephen Kenny in his past has always had a, like, he always stood by Gary Rogers. He always stood by David Ford, his particular type of goalkeeper. He rated and liked. I think he probably sees Talbot in that bracket. And there might be others who are playing better, but might be less of his style. But I think people are getting a little bit, you know, oh, he, he should have picked him. He should have picked him. This is the spec of the training camp. Like, Kenny previously could have brought Darren Randolph in as a number three. And, uh, and I think one of the times Talbot got in and people are a little bit angry, but like Randolph had previously been number one. I'm not sure about, this, you know, circumstances of him leaving the camp at that time and blah, blah, blah. Like your number three keeper, it's like sometimes clubs have a number two or number three goalkeeper who are very suited to that role. They're a good presence around the place. And anyway, that that's my point in that. Like people are expending way too much energy over something that, the quality the, of the goalkeeping at both ends in Oriel. Um, I mean, again, Shepard comes for one corner that um, he ends up on the floor. That was for the first goal. Talbot was very poor for one of the goals as well. Talbot, for me, just looking at highlights, makes a lot more mistakes than he used to. And, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but he, he doesn't seem to be in nearly the form he was in, like, at his peak. No, no, maybe I, I'm wrong. I, no I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's unfair comment. You know, I think there's, there's definitely a sense that, like, you know, he's not at the level. But I suppose, you know, you, you have to probably look at it as well and think okay who do you think is the highest ceiling again i think with ireland squad sometimes people there's a balance right you clearly have to respect form like you clearly have to respect form but also you have to look at someone's ceiling how good they can be Mm. and like within the next 18 months two years who do you think is more likely to be around the place like i get every time an ireland squad comes out you get reaction from people oh where's manning where's sammy smodix like where's whatever i actually went searching for something earlier and i found someone given out in November about Evan Ferguson sent a message to me um, complaining about Evan Ferguson being in the squad surely Joe Hodge should be there because Joe Hodge had been in the Wolves had been on the bench for Wolves in the previous four or five games come off the bench clearly like you know Kenny was completely right to, to note that Ferguson's potential was like extremely high and it's good to have him around the place and in the past like you know we've had this with Declan Rice and various people like a manager also has to see you know who's going to be the better one over no, the longer absolutely. term, and, and Evan know. Ferguson um, obviously scored twice the weekend. Plays Man City tomorrow. Maybe Bowes are sitting on a potential uh, oh, fee of that's, quite a few quid. That's I mean it's 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 scary. Okay, Ronan McGinley has the for- home form of Derry. This is the, and we want to go on this one. Has the home form of Derry been o- an overplayed topic for the first months of the season? Considering there's one point between them and Rovers, will there be similar scrutiny of others going forward? Now, I got a couple of comments like this in the last week as well. Uh, Rovers, the, the home form this year, Shamrock Rovers 15 points, Dundalk 15, Shells 15, Derry 14. Um, and I think this is probably like just a really, really, really stupid take. You know, this is where like some piece, the, the football fandom, you come to a point where you get so defensive about your club that you actually just start to defend things that don't actually make any reasonable sense in any way. It's a bit like, you know, uh, Man City fans or Newcastle fans end up like defending their club against this or that or whatever. Like a Derry fan defending the Brandywell or sensitive about the criticism of the Brandywell when everyone at the club pretty much hates the pitch, the people there want to tear it up. Like, yes, it is technically true on paper that Derry have taken 14 points this year and Sean has taken 15 at home. Okay, Sean McCovers were unbeaten at home for two years, for almost two years, until they lost to Derry in a game they probably should have won. And the very important thing is that Shamrock Rovers in Tala every week know they can play their normal game. They don't have to compensate, you know, for the pitch. And yes, sometimes they might lose, um, but generally over the long sample size and a long period of time, 
like the pitch is not a hindrance to them it's a benefit to them Derry it's like it's abundantly clear that the pitch neutralizes some of their best strengths like you watched them in Europe last year against Riga and they, they could I, I not play being, uh, I'd say you're being quite nice to the pitch in the sense of it's um how 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 much of an issue it is in the sense of the, the, the Derry's actual play is probably two or three down the list in terms of why this pitch is terrible and best looks to the players who are recovering but, at the moment because who knows but like I just think anyone trying to claim that oh well you know no like Derry have 14 points at home this year and Rovers are 15 so I mean the whole like you know this is um this is not this is not a factor like Derry like they've they've picked up recurring injuries because of the pitch their squad has been weakened because of the pitch and yeah they have like they are like they have an amazing squad of players. They'll probably win a lot of games at home across the season. But they also like we've watched the games where they've dropped points and they have to like come they have to play in a different way sometimes at home as they do away from home. Where Shamrockovers know their home pitch and their home patch. And yes, it's a great place to play. And yes, teams relish going there. And but I mean, in a way, yeah, that's 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 still a better scenario, I think. I don't think they would have an issue if they had a perfect surface and teams enjoyed going there when they have a team of like passing players who will be suited by it. So what else we got? Anyway, I just I just I can't understand that. Um Paul Dugan, well, Jerry spent big this summer to go for Rovers. Um and then Caleb McLaughlin, Jerry away record gets little credit, more traveling than other teams. Well that's the inverse of that. Like, you know, that's it. The away record is very good and they do travel a lot. But Jerry spent this summer not sure. I mean, they've got a report yesterday. Ryan Graydon has been a bid from Fleetwood for him. You know, there might be more interest in, in him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah. Like Derry Gotta did. give it to Rory Higgins on that. You're signing a player from Longford Town. I didn't see anyone else in for him. No, and, and some people were trying to tell you he was not even the best player at Longford Town at the time. It's like, well, I don't think he probably was. Um, but, yeah, like... I, I don't know about Derry will they spend big I, I think Derry if a player emerges there comes along I mean Colin Whelan's situation unfortunately is a problem um, and again I would say that pitch probably didn't suit him um, really wishing him the best yeah. and a major echoes here of Neil Farouge in the sense that when Colin, when Whelan is playing for Derry and you're looking at like so sporadic he's been so good in the little bits you've seen of him Really wishing him the best, just from a point of view yeah. of a young kid who deserves it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think you know, I'd probably need another defender. I think if a player comes up, I'd have no issue. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Derry um, splashed out, but I don't think they're going to go on a mad splurge. Like I think Higgins is a bit like Kenny in that he prefers a slightly smaller-ish squad. I mean, do you know what I mean? Rather than a massively bloated squad. Now, if they have everyone fit, they have a decent size squad. I, I think Shamrock Rovers in the league. The biggest plus for Derry at the moment I have is that they've they've gone back in front and Conley's still missing. He's just on the verge of coming back. I mean, I, I, I listen, if you ask, put a gun to my head and say who wins the league, I will say Rovers too. Same. But if, but if Derry can maintain the lead coming into Europe in July, then Rovers want to give Europe a proper go this year. I know there are a few comments that they know they got a bit of grief for you know, sort of not prioritising European games. They want to get to the Conference League group stage, but they could end up in a similar predicament again this year. If they look, like their whole business plan revolves around winning the league every year. That is number one. So if they are vulnerable to that, um, it could make Europe more complicated. But in fairness, that's where having Burt and players, you know, the bigger squad might might stand to Rovers. You think as well, some of the lads that played in Europe last season, Tete and Ferrejai, who've like not featured at all this season, now, I know there's been issues with Ferrejai, but they, they have an extensive squad. Like. Yeah, well, so some of those lads are 18 this year, though, so mm. we'll see what, mm. what happens to them in the summer. Uh, her rentals, bows, avoiding the political aspect of recent results in Northern Ireland elections. We need to start thinking about how an all our, thinking about how an all-Ireland league will need to be structured. 
Um, is it better to have a plan in place? It's inevitable. I just think, <laughs> I just think, Terry, like, I mean... Uh, that wasn't what I was thinking of out of Sinn Féin becoming the biggest party in the local elections, but it is it's probably something that you yeah, could think about. Yeah, but I just think, you know, the, the football in Northern Ireland will be... Uh, I think I feel there's people there who will be the last ones going down on that ship. You know, I think we'll have plenty of time to plan it out. Um, I don't Echoes know. There's a Dido there. I don't know. Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of 2004. Um, it's great to go. We'll knock it out on this ship. Yeah. yeah, great to see the no surrender signs outside uh, Down Patrick Racecourse as well. Love going through Claw on my uh, trips yeah. there on Friday. What a place to what a place to to fight it out, mm. there, Patrick. Um, Darren Marcy, can we discuss the volume of the tannoy system at Oriel Park? <laughs> Couldn't even have a conversation with the person next to me at half time. I mean, the thing about the lock is I was there on Friday. I mean, I'm going to the, the lock since 1992. Like, hasn't changed. Much. The match day experience is just like I, sp- I spoke to some people there. I think there's some of the supporters groups are trying to, you know, try and take stuff on board, take it on themselves to try and make it a little bit better. Um, but it really is like it's it's sort of like a back in time in a way, and and you see things happening elsewhere and people pushing on, and the knock is sort of stuck in the same place, like hugely reliant on the team being successful for crowds. Um, whereas other places, as you see with Pats, like you know, being successful isn't really influencing their crowds. Like the buzz is making people go anyway. Um, I just think yeah, the doctors need to be mindful of of that. You know, there's just just lack of energy around the place um, with uh, that's a problem and there's a comment of, I, mean, I, would, I would say though there was a, there was a comment again about the, the the attendances the attendance figures from the docks some are a little bit unusual um, that the, the the Cork figure and the Bowes figure were very similar even though there was like like five six hundred away fans at one game and no away fans at the other and yet the home crowd seemed to be similar I don't know I mean ticket scanning or whatever it is or maybe it was just a load of um, very very small people at the Cork game and, and the, the one against Bowes is just the actual attendance, but I wouldn't be so sure. I think pound for pound, Dundalk have really, really, really well attended clubs in a small provincial yeah, no, town. Yeah, they never did, listen, in the glory, they're never going to suddenly jump to like four and a half thousand, five thousand a week. That doesn't happen. Oriel is great. They, they, could, mean, be, they could be a little bit better. It's not a family friendly place. And they also, yeah, yeah they, they have competing stuff going on in local sport on Friday night there, which isn't ideal. But I think, again, like, you know, there just seems to be a sense, and I understand where it comes from. Like Lead County Council have been no help over a long period of time, and and they look at other places and go, well, you expect us to do it when I mean, look at Tala's been built and and Daily Mount's been built. I know where that comes from, but obviously, and and, and it's you know it's very hard to argue with that. But there's probably a, a, a little bit of a lack of um, energy to try and make the best of of what you have. Like, you know, when you see places like Bowes, I mean, Bo, okay, Daily Mount is getting done, but it hasn't been done yet. And they're still and making improvements. They still try and make it better. And yeah. I think the dog is just it's, just, it's just a very flat place, really, at the moment. Damien Riley references Dan's article on Luke Byrne, inspiring stuff. Um, that's for Luke Byrne from a press conference last week, speaking about the pain barrier he's playing through every week uh, with knees. I mean, it's sort of mad stuff, really. Chronic knee pain, getting his knees drained once or twice a week. It's no way to live, really. Um, but he's doing it. I had... I had uh, one or two people in touch with me with, with issues with knee problems and they were like, I'm not sure, like this is mad, you know. Um, but I understand that, like you, you live for the high of playing now. Um, I'll tell you one place he strong. doesn't want to go to, well, Brandywell. I mean, but like, yeah, but like Damien Duff, I suppose Joey O'Brien is, is manager and assistant, both, and I think they both needed, certain, well, Joey O'Brien obviously had injuries throughout his career. I think Damien Duff even afterwards struggled. Um, but obviously for the, the regular League of Ireland player, um, who's you know not earning big money? Like it's a big, it's a big decision to make to, to put yourself through the pain barrier. But 
um, that's that's what the love of the game does for you. I was thinking of this the other day. Like Damien Duff is still going to be in line for a proper good job in England, right? Just because I don't think he wants it, though. Yeah. So they, apart from him, it's hard enough to see that many League of Ireland managers in the Premier Division like being offered big jobs or any jobs really in England. But like Bradley turned one down. But like, no, I, I think you're wrong about that. Bradley, reckon, was, Bradley was offered one. Bradley, but apart from that, Bradley. So then, like the other lads are kind of bed. H- Higgins in. had interest from Notts County as well last year. Like, I mean, I think it'll be lo- that's county or like what they're, they're, they're now league two, but yeah. lower down the ladder, yeah, yeah, lower down the ladder. Oh, but who's gonna get like what? I don't think I, I where, where do you think Duff would get offered a job? Maybe championship. I don't, I don't think it's on his radar anyway. Do, I don't, do you think the success that he's having and they, like Shell's become a very well coached team? I think, do you think you, you think he's happy in Ireland? Well, he said it himself, mm. he wants to live in Ireland, he's, he's he was away with his kids before. Um, and no, I don't think Damien Duff, like, I think, I think like Damien Duff played in the Premier League. Like he's, he's probably made his money. He's been, he's, there, he's, been the, he's been the top of the game. Like he doesn't have some, some unfulfilled ambition. A lot of the other young managers, the legal firm we talk about, never reached that top level as a player. Mm. So for them, Lincoln or, I know Brandy turned down Lincoln, but for mm. them, Damien Duff, would, would like, do I really want to go and leave my family behind just to get in the ladder so I can manage a team in a 46 game season, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. And no matter how well you do, you're, you might be gone after 18 months anyway. I don't think that's his thing. I think so, Damien Duff's thing is to manage Ireland. Yeah. I think that's what it's all about. Um, and here we are in the League of Ireland and he's there every week. So it's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, Roy Johnson, uh, Andrew Pilly's conviction must be a concern for Waterford. Andrew, is there any FEI fitness to practice rules that would be cause for concern for Waterford? Now, yeah, this is obviously... A topic where yeah, Andy Pilly is um, he has been convicted of charges uh, related to private uh, private business, uh, nothing to do with football operations. But clearly, um, we're waiting for sen- as we speak. There's been no sentencing. Um, Found guilty of fraud. Yeah, so we're waiting to we're waiting to hear what the sentence is. But I mean, we're obviously prepared for the possibility of prison time. They've been very clear. Both Fleetwood and Waterford to say will have no impact on their operations. Um, so we'll just have to see how how that one pans out uh, in general terms is there any FEI fitness practice rules um that would be concerned for Waterford I don't know not retrospectively um I mean there has been talk to my tighten up stuff about ownership and 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 who would who would come in and take over a club um but I don't know would he would he have been even a red flag in that concern when he's currently managing a club in league one Mm. Um, that actually is perceived as a very successful club that's risen up like eight, nine mm. tiers through the ladder and has never had issues that would appear with, you know, wages or anything like that. You know what I mean? So um, it's a valid talking point. It's a concern for Waterford. Um, you can't just be flippant about it. Um, but I suppose we'll just have to see how, how sentencing goes and, and, and what sort of tar- time frame is put on that. And Unfortunately, it's one of those as well. We'll see what happens with Fleetwood as well, too. I'd imagine you would look at that and, and see, are they subject to anything? Um, but as I said, the fact that it's very it's a separate business related to, you know, it's, it's not a case of the, one is, is is a sponsor on the shirt or something, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. But we'll see. I'm, I'm conscious it's a serious one. Um, yeah, Chris in touch, a long enough message about the records of Stephen O'Donnell and Marie Higgins, um, how they stand up to scrutiny, are we overrating the young managers? We've had a bit of this before, I mean, I don't know, people just say, like, you know, we're, we're too positive about them, but O'Donnell did, like, come second and win a cup with Pats and did qualify them dog for Europe last season, 
Um, I think his, his CV so far is okay. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, Rory Higgins took Derry from sort of down towards a relegation battle to winning the cup and second. And yeah, maybe, I don't know what, maybe is the expectations too high or maybe when people speak about them we're suggesting that they're the finished product now but I don't think you can complain too much about their body of work so far Shamrock Rovers uh, the, the standards they have set like um, ironically under a manager who um, you know was given time the standards they've set they're possibly the best League of Ireland team we've had they're well up there in my estimation in terms of the quality of the players they have so you're competing with that but also in Stephen O'Donnell's case, he's had to bring in a lot of fairly left field kind of players as well. Like, yeah, I, I, I honestly and, just and generally they've worked. I honestly think that while um, there's no doubt the managers have made mistakes, I, I just can't understand um, like deep question marks around them. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't see it myself. Rory, Rory Higgins, Derry. I know it's a small window, but they have to do better in Europe than they did last year. Yeah, that, and he will admit that himself because it was poor. It was disappointing they, as much as they were a bit unlucky in the they, second. They got a tough draw, but they also again they, they played the first match on a bouncing castle. You know, a bad bouncing castle, like a bouncing castle that if you sent uh, your kids to a bouncing castle party there, you would probably they would probably be taken off you. I will go out there, Dan. I'll say this now. I think the League of Ireland teams in Europe this year are going to do very well. I think they're playing a particular brand of football. I think they'll be well coached. They've generally been doing well in recent years, but that will be a big few months. They for could do well, but there's there's, ma- there's massive luck of the draw yeah. in the Conference League, and just that just can't be avoided. Mick, I'm had a long message about. I, I'm conscious of time here, so I'll, flirt, I'll, I'll come to. I'll do mix one last. Uh, Ushin, what do you think Kerry are capable of in the cup? Don't know. I'd love Kerry to get a home draw. Not up for fixing draws. I mean, we, we shouldn't stand over that. But you know, if you want to fix one, the FEI, you want to get the old hot ball, cold ball. Just just get get Kerry at home to a good Premier Division Bouncing side. Ball in just, to give Park. Them, just give them a taste of a, a taste of of a little bit of that. I think that'd be good for Kerry to get an experience like that. Uh, Brian White and also Fergal questions about Sligo. Are Sligo over down to battle for ninth? I don't believe so, but again, you know, it's hard to argue with their with results. Sean Hawkins, um, Shells Pats Riddle with hour after hour. Does games been on TV add to nervous tension for players? I don't know. I feel like that was just a derby clash. I mean, Shells were excellent against Rovers on TV. Um, I think players are probably so used to being on TV now that there's not a sense of... I don't think that matters anymore. But I mean, they did have the good build-up at Virgin again and Ireland AM and all of that, but I, I, I just can't... I think at this stage... Michelle's are on again this Friday. It's not like when there's one game a season, the cup final, or you mm. know, four games a season. I, d- I don't believe that's a factor, but obviously it was a disappointing game. Uh, I can't imagine the pitch was top notch either. But um, shells, yeah, shells have conceded eleven, scored sixteen. They're not. I mean, no. you know, and you're going to get the odd game like that. Dublin Co- derby. A couple of comments about the whole shells thing. Yeah, it was, Duff was alluded to it last week. Sort of. Yeah, it's, it's gone a little bit quiet, I suppose. But it's. Um, I mean, it obviously was true because um, the whole people were there at games in the flesh. Um, but expect a little bit more movement but maybe the, the EFL season is over now so uh, a lot more of that Mick's long message was um, he's arguing that um, you know the FBI should have one centre of excellence this is probably follow on a little bit from Aidan O'Reilly on last week which got good feedback to the FBI should have one centre of excellence with 20 players per year taken in Um you know, and you know, we should have one central academy, three four year deals, sixteen to nineteen, and then the option maybe to take them on. Uh, pointing out that Leinster rugby for the Ireland of England Grand Slam decider nine of the twelve players, uh, the Irish players, as in the homegrown players, can via the Leinster Academy. Now, look, I just uh, no offense, make like I just think comparing the rugby landscape to football landscape is is apples and oranges. People do it every so often. The like commentators do it. It's why can't we look at rugby? Well, I mean. I know there's a bit of a pantomime thing sometimes I'd slag off rugby oh you hate rugby but 
it's not even about that it's just not a relevant example like you know like rugby in this country turned professional at a time when it wasn't pretty much anywhere else in the world there's very few countries played a sport but also a lot of clubs countries were going professional together and we were able to build a really elite um system here which is centralized which is brilliant but also like Leinster are one of the best clubs to be at in Europe and the world we're never going to do anything here that's going to make our 18 year olds our best 18 year olds want to stay like this is not going to happen and like unfortunately every other country uh, in the world and most other countries in 55 in Europe play the game professionally too it's just a bigger sport and we don't have the power I don't think to introduce some like 20 person 20 player academy 16 to 19 and put them all there i i understand where the concept comes from but i think something like that would have to exist at a younger age but even then you have the whole issue of elitism and and what people don't like about underage leagues picking 20 players from the country to put them into one academy where they get the best stuff like unfortunately as we know the patterns of when players develop are, are far too volatile you wouldn't have seamus coleman at that 16 you wouldn't have you know, uh, Kevin Doyle and that at 16. He wouldn't have several others. Like, what well, we're they also to, created the provincial what, system, which but, is totally different. Yeah, it's just, it just, it just doesn't compare. What happened with Glanmire, like, just as a matter of interest? I'm just looking from afar. Well, the infrastructure plan is due to come out, and I think within that there's going to be, um, like, regionalised priorities in each department. And clearly, I would presume within that they're going to have other options for that Munster region. I think there's going to be a lot more pressure on clubs to share facilities um and you're not going to have like Aidan here talked about a load of astro pitches in the same place um i think the infrastructure plan is quite ambitious i think it's, it's on a 15-year plan five year 10 year 15 years uh funding for a certain amount a pretty large figure over the period of time at the end of it but to go back to the next point directly um and I, this does have some favor in some places people thought why don't we do a national academy like a like a lillish hall back in the day with the fa or clairefontaine I just don't think we have an the, the 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 climate exists here for that to work. What we're trying to do is probably the right thing, um, to have some very good to improve the standard of academies around the country. It's not going to be twenty. You categorise them so hopefully you have like, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Our best clubs all have an academy system around them that are functioning. Um, what level would that get? to? I don't know. But the idea that we can get lads at sixteen to nineteen and, and keep them at twenty one. They're all going to be. They're going to be gone. We're still going to use players to Europe at a certain age. Football is too big globally to try and work something here. Rugby was able to do it because the sport is so small, and in so few countries play it. It's also linked with education in a very big way as well. It's just. It's just not comparable. I wish. I mean, I like. I, I admire what Leinster have clearly done. It's a high performance environment, um, but. It just can't function here in that way at all. I, I would say one thing, Dan, and this isn't really criticism of the clubs, but maybe it's something to look at. Um, there's so much quality in the academies in League of Ireland that, like, somebody sent me Mikey McCullough's goal for goal. I United. knew this was going to come up. But I was like, I didn't even I'm, see that. And a long like, ball football. Oh, man. No, it wasn't. You, this is, oh, this, this, controlled. This, this is we basically need to see your, more, this is your new Kyle Fitzgerald. We, we need to see. No, Mikey McCullough's like, um, no, I, Mikey McCullough's a good to Someone sent you. Someone no, sent I, I'd seen Mike McCullough play underage. So, He's been very highly rated. To be clear. Someone didn't play well the night so, Someone sent you a clip of a Galway player scoring a goal and you sent it to me and I said, Johnny, how often are you going to mention this in the podcast? Once. So there it is. I think they could. There could be better promotion of some of the goals that are underage. I just don't see them. And there's some really good quality there. It's also a goal like like a really good goal can go viral and you're adding like value to the player, adding value to the club. Um, I think that's something that oh, the, I, the clubs could do I, more I to I take promote. that point. But the bottom line here about development is what we do 
in this country and like we just need to plow on with creating you know to get our professional clubs to be more professional mm-hmm. and to create environments there and not straightforward uh, the idea of creating a national academy um is just it's i see where it comes from but i just don't see how it operates within the the ecosystem of football and how that professional football operates in the real world now i just can't see it working what else um, we got that's basically, I think that's the, that's, that's the, the nub of our mailbag Thanks issue. to everyone. Uh, do we have a winner of the mailbag uh, uh, the prize? And, it's, um, and as you as you mentioned, uh, obviously, Collar and Cuff, um, yeah, if you go in and uh, reference LOI Central alone, you'll get a free shirt and tie with your tin of fruit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Mick did send a long message, um, put give a lot it, of thought into it. Give, so, it, give uh, it to Mick. Go for that. So, Sorry, last one, Alan Leahy, separately. Lauren's 4G pitch failed with getting approval to hold European games. That. Any fear of the Dock or Derry? I think the Dock and Derry do starts with a different time frame. There's no concerns in the Dock at all, but I think their start gets renewed at a different time. Um, I presume Derry is similar. Lauren obviously might do it at the end of their season, their club season. Um, but uh, no, there's no concerns about those clubs at that stage. Anyway, let's go to our chat with Gary Buckley. Yeah, and I suppose when I had, for example, going back to my injury, you now again, when I done that, like I was, my head was all over the place, but then you kind of have to get with that very quickly. I go home to screaming baby, changing nappies up early in the morning. Then things kind of change, and obviously the baby changes everything. It's 24 7, 365, as, as Dan knows there himself. Yeah, it's definitely a different perspective on life, but I wouldn't change, you know. I wouldn't, I don't know, I wouldn't know what my life was like now before, to be honest. And yeah, you, you know it's different if you you get back playing and you suddenly just find yourself. Oh, we have to stay overnight for this game, or we have to stay overnight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of you know you're, you're better happy looking going. But hang on, that looks like a home game. He <laughs> 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 got away, but, you know. But you know, the schedule. Delighted you've done the sessions every day. Delighted. Yeah, yeah. Whether whether you have them or not, but anyway, I mean, it's all it's all from a good place. Like you know, it is all from a good place. But the odd break is no harm, I'd say. Yeah. The, the how many actual fathers in the Sligo squad then? There, there's a many. I don't think maybe four, maybe four or five. I said there's a few that they are. They don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we we wanted to talk about another matter, but on that on that on that. On that. <laughs> On on that issue, uh, let's go back to your, let's let's go <laughs> let's go back to your injury. Actually, anyway, recall that to us. Yeah, well, it happened nine months ago now over in Norway. Europa Conference third round. Yeah, I knew I knew straight away there was something up and felt it straight away. Agony knew something wrong. The physios kind of told me over there. There's Norwegian physios and they could have tell by doing their test that they knew there was something wrong with the ACL. And I said, fly home. Head was gone on the plane. You know, a week or two later, getting scanned. And results. Head was gone. Then. Got the results and obviously the coaching plan of long long situation or long uh, recovery ahead. But like I said, I'm nine months down there, really back training the last few weeks and I probably another month to go or so, itching it back and try to help the boys out as much as I can. How did you feel you were playing, Gary? Because you'd obviously kind of you changed into the role of a centre back at Sligo, but seemed to be thriving. Yeah, no, I thought I was doing all right. During the season, I was doing all right. Over the European parents, I thought I was doing well in Motherwell and Bala. Yeah, for sure. I suppose them things happen, like an injury happen. I've been fortunate enough an injury go over my career and not that much. I suppose it came it came back to me in the end. But yeah, I know back back to the position I was probably it was a blessing of skies that happened to me. I always kinda of knew I was simply half, to be honest, but more kind of defensive attributes. My football brain was kinda of more defensive than attacking. I also played attacking for a number of years, but 
I was fit. I was fit out back then. I go box to box, but never really naturally attacking player. Um, so yeah, I was kind of best in the skies about we when I first came to Sligo during the COVID year. So with a load of injury, and I'm back there and done well. And I've been there ever since. And yeah, can't go playing, really enjoy back there. Um, it's kind of been a new lease of my my career to be honest. Going back there, so hopefully going back there, I'll add a few more more, more years onto my career as well. You know, just Gary, like you know the. Uh, you know, I suppose if someone does their does that injury at a Premier League club, like they have they have an incredible facility around them. And I'm not saying that the, the facilities in Sligo aren't good, but I'm guessing like what's what's the rehab process like? Like you know, are you rehabbing in a local gym? You know, you're doing work for people from the club. Do you do a bit yourself? Like, just what's the reality of it in the league? I suppose. Well, I suppose I can only speak from my own point of view. I know there's a few other boys in the league that have done it recently as well. But from my own point of view, like I'm living full time in Sligo. We've got physios here, strength and conditioning coaches. So I've been in the whole time. Even over Christmas, I went home in November there for like two weeks, came straight back up, done my rehab. Nearly five, six days a week, maybe one day off a week, just doing different parts of it. Maybe, maybe a bit of jogging, maybe straightening up different parts of the leg. Getting a bit of cardio in it kind of different varies all the time, but I suppose we probably don't have the, the facilities as, like you said, Premier League clubs and not abroad, but still get the amount of time, amount of tension as as they would. So that I, I suppose I can't really have, I can't follow the club in that point. They've been brilliant with me. Ian McBride, Tom Duffy have been brilliant as well. So I suppose it's the same time period as them. You know, a few players in Premier League. I think Van Dyke himself was nine, ten months. I've done a few bit of research on players like that. We've done their ACLs and he I think he was nine or ten months as well, and I'm nine months now mm. as well. So it's all kind of the same protocols you have to go through step by step. I wouldn't say how put in no they put in more work than me. It's probably just the facilities of different cryo chambers, recovery after sessions, probably that kind of stuff's probably different, but I've been rehabbing it now for the last six, seven months, uh non stop, five, six days a week. Like that must take a toll on you. No, the reason I suppose I was asking Gary, you know, Sometimes people say it's an isolating injury. Like, have you been around your other teammates? Like, you've still been seeing them then if you're going into the club? Because sometimes it can be hard if you're away from all of them. I think I've seen Greg, Greg Bulger post the odd video of you doing a bit of rehab at various times. But, like, you have been around the group then, have you? Like, cause that's obviously sometimes the toughest part if you're working away someplace else. It can be difficult. Yeah, that's that's the number one thing, really. Is as, as I, was, I was always kind of... I love that part of the game, Joe, and integrating all the players and stuff like that. So I want to stay involved as much as possible, trying to stay in as many meetings for matches as possible. I suppose I missed out probably the first, the first four or five months where I couldn't really do any no, no pitch work. I was just coming in and meeting, seeing physio, going straight to the gym, doing my bits and bobs. But for the past, I'd say, four or five months now, I've been in with the boys in most days, doing gym with them all the time, on the pitch with them, doing my own stuff at the start, knowing back involved in the last month or so doing half sessions so yeah it's not been easy and I suppose that's that's the worst side of it for me is is just probably the loneliest of the first four or five six months was probably the worst part probably because of another way as well where I, I, I could see like I, I don't know so long to go I had five six months to go that kind of kicked me in the way but I suppose going to the gym and doing my own stuff was just lonely that was the worst part for me is the loneliness as you said there so but thankfully, no, I'm nearly there. I'm about to be able to buy in half sessions and in the next couple of weeks I'll be doing full training and hopefully back involved, like I said, towards in the next month.
We spoke about it earlier, but what's the season been like? Because a little bit like at that time you were talking to your man in the lift in America, it's been a bit up and down. <laughs> that's exactly what it's been, yeah. yeah that's exactly it. Yeah, it's been up and down. Performances at the at first round of fixtures were brilliant. Sometimes you don't get the results that we did, but the only frustrating part is the last two, our last two results there against Cork and Bowers, was it? And that wasn't great. And I'm sure the boys will agree with you. Ross and Casey would agree with us. They told us numerous occasions that that level performance is just not good enough. Watching it is hard from my own point of view because I can't help the boys out. But I think the majority of the season has been more good than bad. Just perform performance wise, it's been better than it has been. But results obviously has to depend on that then as well. Like so, would I say it's been a good season? Probably not. Third, fourth, last in the, in the table. Like that, the table doesn't lie, but. We all know there's no there's no medals not that land out in May, twenty games to go, the FA Cup to go. Long season there and I I yeah, uh, I, I believe that. With the with the management there that we have, the work that they put in is phenomenal. At the moment the boys are just the last few weeks have dropped the arms levels and hoping now a few injuries come back with few injuries, like myself obviously but there's other injuries there as well. That can help the boys out and I up that table and no no doubt that we can go on a couple of them. Yeah. Just, I suppose the the main reason as well it got you on was just I was actually Rory Houston is a fan of the podcast. Obviously, he was relaying a story that you told. I think you told this initially on the Bitter Red Sporters Trust podcast. Just about a remarkable thing that you'd done for your brother, which uh, I have to say I hadn't heard of. And if you could just tell us about that and how it's gone for your brother. Yeah, well, this was a start of a couple of years ago. He was he was diagnosed with leukemia. I can't remember what year it was. No, might have been the year before COVID. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he was just waiting for tests, and I suppose he got diagnosed with the lesser two evils, the chronic myeloid leukemia. The acute one is probably more severe. So initial initial reaction was was good amongst the family and himself. Like I suppose he's down for a while, but they they told him then at that stage that down the line it could get worse, could get better, but more than likely that he might need a bone marrow transplant. So all of our family members went for testing. Myself, my brother, my other brother. My sister over in Australia and all had to get tested over there. And he got bad news before Christmas there that he needed to go his tablets dives on for the past few years were kinda of not really doing the job in a way. I don't really know the ins and outs of the details and stuff. I don't think he knows himself, but yeah, he got bad news for Christmas and he got told he had to go for a chemotherapy and he's gonna need a bone marrow transplant. So then we all straight away went in for testing. I got mine done in Sligo actually here as well. And thankfully it was a ten out of ten match, they said, so they're waiting for him to, to go in straight away. I think he went in at the end of January. He's been been in there then three months. I went in. I think I went in a week after he went in. So I literally took it out of me. I was in there for three days. Took it out of my back. Within 48, 24, 48 hours, it was straight into him then. And he's been doing his own rehab himself in a way as well. Doing his own stuff. So yeah, that's that's pretty much the story really. Uh, he's been he's been in the hospital for the past three months. He was in an apartment. Now he got discharged from the hospital. Two weeks ago, and uh, um, he's in an apartment for the last three weeks. And he actually, he actually got a bit of good news there this morning before I was talking to him as well. His results came back well. He just went on a big result now in a couple of weeks, coming from the labs in Germany. But he seems to improve. His, his head seems to be improving as well, and his mood and stuff. So it's good. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I suppose we all have our problems and stuff. Cancer, cancer hits every family in in the world. So yeah, I was happy that I was a match for him and I could give him, give him a hand. And he's doing well. So that's a good thing. Yeah, that's an extraordinary story. It's your brother Michael, who big football person himself. Like he's very much involved as a 
with Leeds AFC, is this in, in Cork? Or is... Yeah, he's a manager of the Leeds Manchester Senior League team. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, that's I mean, it is an incredible story. I mean, I, I mean, what your three days in hospital like did that take much out of you? Like, what does that actually entail? That sort of mm-hmm. bone marrow they said they, they said it was like a seven to ten day recovery, but it kind of suited me in a way because I kind of was off my feet at dinner as well at the time. Like so, it wasn't too bad. But yeah, I was in hospital for three days. Came out. I actually had a bit of a complication myself for about three or four weeks after it. I got delayed pain in my lower back and went into my glute, went to my hamstring. I had to go see a few doctors and went to my own GP. But then after about a month, kind of subsided. So. Yeah, but the whole time really, I was didn't really think about myself. Really, it was all about him and how he was doing, and didn't really didn't really matter. But like I said, now he's doing better, and he's on the up. Thank God, touch wood that uh, stays that way. And uh, yeah, get back to playing football, and hopefully, he might might get to it again. That's remarkable, Gary. Like, and I spe- it's like it's funny. I mean, you know, getting older just kind of happens, and you don't think it's happening but it happens and then something like this happens and just rem- reminds you about the fragility of life as well I suppose yeah that's it when this happened like it was it was a big weight on the family to be honest didn't know how to take it he was he was, he was weeks and months waiting for results of it's going to be the acute one and obviously you know, the acute minor leukemia is, is really severe and we didn't know what was happening and obviously got the like I said lesser two evils and it was kind of good in a way and and stuff like that, but according to all that, again, he's, he's doing well at the moment now as well. So he's looking up, that's that's the main thing. And I am as well, I'm getting back to things. So if things are to improve for, for both of us, when are you aiming to be back then? Uh, at the end of next month, I'd say maybe a week or two after the break is probably my aim. I'm back in well, back to the squad, back full time now in the next week or two. So and he's soon to get back. How have Ryan Casey and John Russell been in terms of, I suppose, it's a test of man management as well when you have to deal for nine months with a player that isn't playing? Yeah, no, Russell's been brilliant with me. I can't speak all enough of the two, and to be honest, I can't believe how much he's been contacting me over the nine months, how I'm, how I'm doing, and stuff like that. And Casey, it's, it's, been, it's been crazy. That's why I want them to do so well. As you've seen the performances, I know the boys are the same. Like it's we're letting them down more than him letting us down. There's there's no stone on on turn with the three lads. Like it's John Russell is mad into into getting everything covered. It's just it's just about the boys for juice now on the pitch, like I said. But for me, yeah, they've been brilliant. Obviously, like I've been coming and going as much for gym work, and I kind of do my own schedules where I'm on the pitch today, I've been gym tomorrow. He's been kind of free enough with that, like with me. So yeah, I can't speak high enough with him. It's, it's probably weird for him and his first managing job. Uh, he has to deal with all this kind of stuff, like, but he definitely has all the tools to be a top manager. I know that for a fact. That's interesting. And geez, some good players as well, like Hartman. I couldn't get over mm-hmm. some of the skills he was showing. And Max Mathis obviously done extremely well. And some young players coming through. Yeah, we've got serious talent in the squad. Um, I suppose you could see that from from uh, Thomas. The boys put him up in Tala a couple of weeks ago. Like a scary, scary talent squad every day in training. It's, it's, it's scary level. Of, it's just, it's just about, like I said, Craig says it all the time. Davey, myself, Danny Affleck, senior players. So once those lights come on, you've got to produce. And these last couple of weeks, they haven't, haven't done that. It's like there's, there's no, there's no uh, in this league. There's no like we got talent. It's just about producing it on the night. Like I said, 
it's second balls. It can be scrappy at times. You're not, not every week. You're not going to be playing in Tala. You're not going to be playing down Torrance Cross. You're not going to be playing showgrounds every week. Nice pitches. Some days you might be going away to draw that away to Dundalk. It's about rolling your sleeves up and getting involved. I suppose it's just the boys now are getting to getting tons of that kind of stuff. Like I said, their talent is crazy. Roche spoke the other side of it as well. Yeah, be, because you, you you must be especially elite to come back a because you're obviously getting on a bit. But b the league has an has a buzz probably like never before. Cheers to that, Johnny. I mean, so that <laughs> for a while. And I'm not even thirty yet. Like you're not even thirty. I'm not. Jeez, what is it? It seems like you've been around a long time. Like the old dog, don't worry about that. <laughs> you could have ten. You could have ten. That's the problem. In, that, that's the problem. But that, but that that's the problem in the league now. It's so young that anyone who's been around for more than five, six seasons, people think they're people think they're veterans. You know. Oh yeah, that's probably true. Actually, when are you actually thirty then? Yeah, a couple of months. <laughs> See you next time. A Debbie back point third, in it? Okay, well, we'll hold you to that. So, finally, you must be itching to get back with the buzz that's in the league uh, because it is it has a special vibe about it. Yeah, I think this year it's really took off. The the, the attendance is scary. Um, I think in the next couple of years, the league is really going to take off with media stuff, promo and TV work. It's it's really a great thing to be a young person, even being a young person these days, you're looking at people now, we're getting 20, 30 parents in the league and they're getting snapped up like that. It's it's mad like so the league get more respect, which is great. It always deserved that and these hard working people even when I was coming through the league, it was a real man's league. Obviously now it's getting younger but the quality is definitely in this country, as we can see the young players over in England, for example, Evan Ferguson and all these kind of players that Things in, in all these countries are starting to realise now that there is great talent. And some of them start there, some of them don't. But yeah, it's really promising. Hopefully I'm around long enough to be building more, no doubt. In my mind, in my mind I do, but it's be seen, hopefully. It's it's lovely to have veteran defender uh, Gary Buckley at the show. 29-year-old <laughs> veteran. <laughs> Who pro- is it, actually, 29, it's funny, like, you look at Real Madrid with, like, the three lads, Cruz, Benzema, and Modric, average age 35. And, like, that's that just doesn't happen in the League of Ireland. I know they have the odd one rolling Finn in that, but it is mad. Like, it's a young yeah, well, Definitely. I'm not a 10 years, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we'll hold you to that. It's great having you on. And we do, like, sincerely wish your brother Michael the very, very best and amazing thing that you did, Gary. And, uh, yeah, if there's any sort of karma, you'll be back playing yourself very soon. And hopefully uh, we'll see you soon. And thanks for coming on. No worries. Thanks, Johnny. Cheers, Dan. Thanks to Gary Buckley, one of the um, injured players. I thought Sean Boyd seemed to enjoy his TV cameo and uh, young Redmond there on... Uh... They were on there with uh, Elaine Crowley cursing while yeah. she couldn't get well. I mean, I, if I was, again, like, do the old sort of uh, scenario, uh, did I ever imagine Sean Boyd would be next to Elaine Crowley cursing live on TV at the start of the year, things that might happen in 2023? <laughs> that would have been low down the list. For, I have to Boyd. say, Dan, I love the little clip of... Joe Redmond saying, you know, I was a Pat fan. I used to ask Chris Forrester. I used to get his autograph and I still bring it up with him. And now I'm like... Have you been outside Joe Redmond's house lately? N- yes. I have actually. I didn't think about this because I was. I was up... Uh, Barry McCarthy, fan of the show. Um, I was up at his gaff last week and I think I think he pretty much lives beside him. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, did you, did you, they probably have one of those doorbell, uh, video doorbell angles. And they're just like, is that that Johnny Ward fella just 
sniffing around outside again. On that, I don't know when Joe Redmond is back. Um, very encouraging for Pats to be able to go on a nice run of form without him because he is massive. Um, yeah, they have. I mean, but they still defended very poorly in Tala. And again, that would be, be a concern for Europe, that position. I they did. But best of luck to John Daly. So that's... Um, yeah. Any, uh, any news in the Cork situation? It seems to... Briefly? Um... I, I'm mm. always conscious of our recording deadlines, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I clearly Liam, probably want a candidate that Liam Buckley would would prefer. Mm. Um, again, just no one obvious screaming off the page. I, I, I hear one or two whispers of people they might like, but they're obviously in, in jobs elsewhere. So um, I'm not sure, but we will see. Nothing. I'm not expecting anything that doesn't mean anything isn't imminent. Let's start. Fair enough. Let's start with the first division fixture. So, um, Treaty Treaty United play Finn Harps. Both got hockeyed last weekend. Um, Kerry play Wexford. Well, not, not going that great for Wexford either. Go United. Another missing two key players. Just uh, absolutely battered Treaty. They almost host. not a almost not a talking point. The first division because the same results are happening every week. Uh, you know, at, at the top of it, like there's like you love your title race, but all you're just taking the fun out of it, aren't they? Really, just keep winning. Yeah, and uh, it's it's very it's been very routine. It does look like Watford are going to keep in the battle for now. Anyway, Bray, uh, who are obviously kind of leading the charge, give or take for third, they host Cove. Longford hosts Watford, so the juggernaut for Watford will it continue um, in the Premier Division. I think the game of the weekend is St Patrick's versus Dundalk. Cork City host Shamrock Rovers. Uh, that'll be fairly fascinating. What with uh, you know uh, Cork City having a little bit of a bounce under Liam Buckley so far. Drogheda UCD, big, big game for UCD. Uh, Bowes v Shelburne. Sligo versus Derry City. The Sligo no- Rovers. Sligo yeah. Rovers versus Derry City. Northwest Derby. And uh, yeah, o- almost unbeknown, Sligo have, as you mentioned, yeah, their points tally is kind of dropped, so it's a big game. Yeah, no, and some, some good big stuff. Game for them. And hopefully Gary will be back Bucky soon. Yeah, no, hopefully exactly. Gary will be back soon. Um, I think that's a wrap, Dan. It's a wrap. We'll be back next week. Yeah, thanks to our sponsors. Future Ticketing, Collar and Cuff, and uh, also Rascals Brewery in Inchicore.